0: Welcome to episode number 54 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It's uh, Jason Martinez along with Russ Cohen. Follow Russ on Twitter. Do yourself a favor. At Sportsology on Twitter. any need more followers. Yeah, Sportsology.com is the website. Uh, at Jason Mert on Twitter. At Stick to Hockey pod. Episode 54. It's, a, it's kind of a training camp number. It is. It's not one of those ones you keep long term. Like 55, okay. Yeah.
1: Not very memorable.
0: No. Is Who's in, wearing... in the hockey world. Yeah. Who's wearing? Yeah, Jeremiah Trotter wore 54. Right. But he was a football player and a right. linebacker. Um, 55 is what Sam Moran's wearing, Correct. right? And who's wearing five? Phil Myers?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah yes, now he is. Yes, yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes.
0: So they got rid of their training camp numbers, but we still got one. Well, it's training <laughs> camp time, so we'll keep it. Yeah. Um, a lot to get into today. Here's who's joining the program today, Russ. We've got Flyers' assisting coach, former head coach, Mike Yo. He's in charge of the penalty kill.
1: That's nice. I mean, that's something that was pretty contentious last year, so we're going to ask the hard questions here.
0: Until it's top eight in the NHL, it'll be contentious going forward. Yep. Um, So we'll talk to Mike Yo, and uh, prior to that, we'll have a little conversation. I had a chance to catch up with Travis Konechny, he of the new six-year contract at five and a half per. You caught him rolling into the building, did you? Yes, and... um, they got all their guys locked up through the Flyers, their RFAs. You had Sanheim, headed to the two-year bridge contract.
1: Are they all too much locked up, though? Are they too locked up?
0: Well, we'll debate that. Okay. Absolutely. We'll get to that because Proveroff signs a six-year deal, as does Travis Konechny. Do you want to just start there? Yeah, start kind of there. Sure, sure. Okay, so let's let's start with Konechny because he's going to be on the show. So you see the deal, $5.5 million for six years. Your thoughts on the contract, um, both in the near, like right now, present, and in the long term, and you know, near term, because he's getting paid a little more than maybe you would have liked in years one and two, but does that pay mm-hmm. dividends on the back end?
1: Right. So, you know, you're paying for the consistency that he has given goal wise. Right. He has like 24 goals the last couple mm-hmm. of years, and five on five, and that's good. And his five on five play is really good. He's feisty. Uh, the downside is, defensively, we don't know. He can play with pace, which Vigneault likes, too. Defensively, we don't know, and that's going to be something Vigneault is going to get on him for. And we'll see if he could get, like, to the 65-point mark uh, with this new offense that they'll have. that's If he gets in that area, fine. No problem, I'm right? fine with it. Right now, it is a little high for my blood. Uh, I understand you bought unrestricted years. The other issue is... He does get banged up. He gets banged up in-game and misses sometimes, sometimes in-game. He sometimes misses games because of that feistiness and fire. Like, sometimes you have to draw it back. I know it's hard. Like, they asked Carson Wentz to do the same thing. It's hard to take that out of someone's game. But for the long-term, you know, just for long term sake, for having that consistency and being able to play more games – Sometimes you have to ask a player to do that. So that's going to be the uh, the little bit of the struggle.
0: I think he's played 70 games, 81, and 82. Yeah. He, play, he dresses every game. He but, dresses, yeah. but we've seen yep.
1: where he's in-game, he's missing yeah. time. He only averaged 15 minutes of ice time.
0: Yeah, and one of the things, yeah, he doesn't see enough power play time. A little bit on that power play, no. too, but, and that's got to get better as yes. well. And he needs to become a power play threat. Uh, probably not on that top power play unit, at least right now. No, he but, won't be on right at the start. Um, but but he is a guy, he's got a tremendous shot. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's uh, when he's streaking down the wing and can let the shot go, he, he's got a better shot than, than maybe
1: advertised. And before he was signed, I can't tell you the amount of 67s fans that were messaging me. Uh, just to find out. Yeah, he what... played for the 67s prior right. to starting. And game. and he is one of their favorites. And so they always keep up with their guys, mm. but especially him. And so I'm getting all these Facebook messages. Is it close? Is it you know yeah. it's really it was kind of funny. But now the big question is we've seen all these guys get locked up. Obviously, Fletcher is not a fan of the bridge deal, which sometimes the bridge deal is good, sometimes it's bad. The positive of it is with someone like Connecty, you get to peek down the road and sort of gamble. It's bad if it's someone like Provorov where you're pretty much sure the play is going to keep getting better and better yeah. no matter what and he's already showed you a certain amount. All that said, they went from having like a lot of cap space a year ago to having just over a million right now. Yeah. And and so that's the worry. Have has the flexibility and there looks like there's two windows with this team. It looks like there's a 2 to 3 year window with the current guys, Giroud, Voracek And Niskanen and Braun. And then the younger guys that, yeah, you talk about Farabee and Frost and everything, but they're still going to be better three, four, five years down the road. That's just the way it is based on age. And so, because Carter Hart, again, is an anomaly when when it comes to that situation. So that's the way it's going to happen. I'm going to say something here that's not going to be popular, but I think it's a possibility. Giroux's got three years left on his deal. They're going to have to pay Carter Hart in a couple years. You could see them possibly trading Giroux because it's going to be much harder to trade Voracek. You could talk about trading Voracek, but that contract is almost untradeable yeah. unless he goes back to 90 points and just lights out play. Yeah. So I believe they, there's a very good chance that this regime could trade Claude Giroux, or at least they're going to entertain it at some point.
0: If they see that they get to a point where they can't get over the hump. And you go okay. No, what's the move to make? Right, and, and they
1: need money, yeah. and they've got young talent on the way.
0: Yeah, and a team looking for an expiring contract to put them over the top. Right, and couple that with the fact that Giroux and Voracek, is, in essence, make the same amount of money. But, but Voracek's years—the yeah. term on yeah, Voracek—is exactly. what's killing you. And and when you look at Giroux, I mean, he can—he consistently a point per game player. Right, you don't can't say the same for Jake Voracek. No. Um, but it's a big year for him as well, and yes, um, we got to look at uh, Voracek with Kevin Hayes. So, and what James do you think about the possibility
1: of that? I know you probably um, have not entertained it well, in I mean, your I'll, mind. I
0: say the first thing that you always say is he's got a full no move clause. But that being said, if you got a year left on a deal or something like that, then I could right. see that being a possibility. Um, but again, you got to really we got to see how this plays out. Right, so there's a lot to be determined, so I wouldn't. But it does sort of zip the way right the cap
1: away. is. No, no, I, I'm not yep. saying it's a fait accompli. But what I'm saying is the way this cap is. Moves like that are going to have to happen yep. down the road.
0: Yeah, because you have the the term that JVR has left. You have the term that obviously Kevin Hayes has, and then you got to consider that Couturier is going to come up. Shane Gostasper is going to come up. Yep. Are they going to move forward? They're obviously going to move forward with Couturier, but is Gostisbehere a guy that gets his next big contract here, or is it somewhere else? That'll or...
1: depend on yep this first half of the season, I think. Yeah,
0: and then you look at the the Provorov deal. Like, I love that deal. Yes, because great the deal. Back end of that deal, those those three four five and six years could be massive bargains yeah. when you're going to see guys like warensky like McAvoy, and they go to become free agents again, and they get another kick at the can in a rising cap. Yeah. Their cap pick could go from that $5 million range all the way up into the double digits. I mean,
1: there's, more offense. Lower than that. there's more offense to get out of Provorov, sure. and I think Vigneault will get it. I think – Again, the one year where he scored a lot of goals, that was just because he just kept going deep and was able to knock in a certain amount. Mm-hmm. That was just 17. a weird. That yeah. was a weird year. That's not going to happen. But points, he definitely could get more points having a better partner, and yeah. I think that is going to happen this year. The biggest thing I could tell you that I took out from that deal was besides it being a good deal, the minute Provorov was in camp, so I asked Bigra about about him and what he thought, and I said, even that first day, there was a play that was deep in his end, when the puck went the other way, even in a camp, he caught up to the forward at the other end because this guy is a workout freak. Oh, yeah. And I've almost never seen anybody like him as a young player be in this kind of condition year after year. And so, you know, that's where he's worth the money.
0: Yeah, because you can then... Portend that to the future that this is a right. guy that that gets that aspect of it. usually that's yeah. learned, and
1: he could play the minutes. Yeah, he yeah. could handle the heavy minutes. We've even seen it where he's getting like tw- You know, not double shifted but like he's back out there after a shift like I don't know 23 seconds later like we've seen that
0: and he'll stay out for another minute and a half right right he's an ability to conserve his energy and use it at the right times as well so they get all their guys locked up so let's look at the RFAs once again Uh, we've had some more signings around the league obviously McAvoy is signed now
1: now let's talk about that one for a minute because it Mm -hmm. got more complicated than I thought we're not agents we you know I can never remember everything in the CBA and I shouldn't be because I'm I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to do that but it with with that situation it was kind of interesting where mckenzie had reminded everybody that well mcavoy is like a 10-2 b or something or a c and because of his time of service he actually had less leverage than a lot of the other rfas because you know once he signed people were like oh my god this is ridiculously cheap and it's like hold on there's a reason for that how many games has he played yeah and so he didn't have as much leverage now to that team, he definitely is worth more than any other team because they need him. He, yeah. They know what he is to their team. And they know the charge. So kind of... he still got paid pretty well. Yeah. My big joke is, hey, his dad's a plumber. So if he gets his house now, he doesn't have to worry about paying for his plumbing <laughs> supplies go. or anything else.
0: Well, so you got some guys that have signed around the league. Brock Besser. That deal gets done. What did you think of the Besser contract?
1: That's a great contract. I mean, this is a. a I think it's really, a great contract too. This is a really talented goal scorer. Yeah.
0: Um, one thing we got to mention too, Russ, is that the NHLPA has decided not to reopen the collective bargaining agreement.
1: To me, this was a no-brainer, but I did say I thought they'd wait till the last possible minute, and they they did. Although it was three o'clock on the Monday when it was supposed to be Sunday, but you know, there's a workday yeah. thing, and so it was pretty late. Uh, I don't know how they couldn't have come to this conclusion with gambling revenue, with new team revenue, uh, new television contract revenue. It seemed like a no-brainer. But the way that tone was from Jonathan Taves like a week and a half, two weeks ago, gets you a little worried. It made you sweat it out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm always positive about these things, but I have the scars from all the others. Yeah. And they're not going to go away. And and I wrote a, a baseball book that had a lot of stuff about Donald Fear in it. And and it's factual, and and you know he he knows about it, and I think he's fantastic at what he does. But it still makes you worry because he's the guy on the other end, and he always look. He's made the players mm-hmm. a lot of money, man.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the fact that young players, twenty-two to twenty-four-year-old players, are getting paid. what they're getting paid right now, right? I mean, you're talking. That's all about the Donald deals. fear effect. So, yeah, and he's big done a,
1: he's done a fantastic job. I think it's great that this happened because what doesn't get talked about are. Like I have a lot of friends who work with the league and other things. Mm-hmm. The last time, people were losing jobs. People who go to the arena to work lose jobs or don't have any work until the league's back. Yeah. There's other businesses that are built around the hockey business that all of a sudden go away. And those are the things that I always worried about because that's the toughest part of when you have a work stoppage. The players, look, if you're a young player in the league, you're still making enough that – you're not going to have to sweat it out. You Can weather the storm. You can weather the storm. There's no question about we'll play it. Play in Germany, but but these other people can't. This is their livelihood, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm happy that it's not
0: going to happen. Yeah, I'm happy that the league decided not to shoot themselves in the foot, and also that they recognize that the game is moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, but I, there's still jerks out there like, well, it's only three years. It's like only. Yeah, but it's years. Three years is a long time in eight, sports. Eight,
0: nine and ten in a ten-year agreement of a CBA.
1: Yeah, so. but three years is a long time in sports. Yes. That's, you know, that's, that's my point. So this is good for the league. They've done a good job with their online revenue, meaning the games on, you know, Game Center and mm-hmm. everything else. Revenue's pouring in. Like, the only thing is... I get it that the players hate the escrow. You know, my always answer is, just have a flat cap then guys. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, see how you like that. Well, they decided not to kick in the escalator this year, and they probably right. won't next year. No, so, no, no. I
1: mean, the cap's not going to go up a tremendous yeah. amount, but they're still in a pretty good place.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is this, is the league, since the lost season, when they came back from that lost season, the salary cap was, I think, $39.8 million. Yeah. Four players on the Maple Leafs combined are making more yeah. than the salary cap in total at that time.
1: Yeah. No, it's an amazing so, thing. So crazy. it is a niche sport that makes a lot of money. Yeah. Well, very interesting stuff.
0: Let's get to Travis Konechny right now. He of the new $5.5 million a year contract, six-year contract with the Flyers. Travis, what's going on? Thanks for joining the Stick to Hockey podcast.
2: I'm doing good. Thanks for asking.
0: The uh, The sigh of relief when you get a deal done, you know it's locked in and taken care of. you got a six-year contract. Tell us what that feels like at the culmination when you guys come to agreement and you know it's going to get right back on the ice and back to hockey.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, like a lot of weight off the shoulders. It's, um, you know, I've, I've been warned going into the process. It's it's tough and, you know, there's a lot of waiting and, and uh, both sides, you know, coming to an agreement is tough sometimes. And um, But I didn't realize, you know, it was going to be so stressful and it's just, uh, it's nice to be back now and, you know, having that... Uh, long contract and being able to get comfortable in Philadelphia for six years and, and uh, keep pushing towards the championship.
0: As a player, you guys know it's a business, and, and you have to treat those aspects of it like a business. And um, you know, You're only a, a pro for a period of time in your life, so you have to capitalize on it. How involved were you with your agent in, in discussions, and were you kind of trying to just you know, come to me when, when you got some real info, or was there a lot of communication between you and your agent throughout the process?
2: Um, I mean there it depends on the time of summer. there was uh sometimes a couple calls a day going back and forth, uh, other times you know a couple weeks were silent. Um, but for the majority, like they every time they knew something or were going to to talk to Chuck about something, like I was pretty active with uh, going through them and, and they did a great job by uh, keeping me in the loop.
0: What was the uh determining factor that you wanted to go long term as opposed to a bridge contract? You know, certain players in certain situations opt for that bridge, but the long-term deal can be certainly a a good contract for the club. Uh, When you get into those later years of the contract, what was the decider for you that you wanted to go uh, long-term as opposed to just a two or three-year bridge?
2: Um, I think for me, just, uh, you know, just being able to come to Philly and know, you know, I'm going to be here for six years and, um you know, having that security and, and knowing that uh, there's that process to building a championship team, and I'd love to be a part of it here in Philly. So the longer, the better here uh, in my eyes. So, you know, it, it wasn't uh, a question for me when that was on the table. Uh,
0: prior to, uh, you know, kind of heading into this off season, did you talk to any other players that went through it? You know what happened in Toronto last year with William Nylander. didn't sign until December 1st, and it, maybe it derailed him a bit in the season, and it maybe it derailed the team even a little bit. Uh, but did you consult with anybody that had been through it to kind of gain a little perspective on it?
2: I mean, not not really. I talked to uh, my agents, and and they have been through it. You know what I mean? Like they they had uh, put players through a process like this before, so they kind of um, you know gave me the rundown of what to expect. But um, I think all along that we had agreed that it wasn't going to be. Uh, you know, a situation like, uh, you know, the player had last year in Toronto, it wasn't going to be anything like that. We, we on both sides, Chuck and I, uh, wanted to be back in Philly and getting things going, so we made sure it was it was done uh, as soon as possible.
0: Uh, the RFA conversation has been obviously a big topic of conversation, not only in Philadelphia with three RFAs, uh, Proveroff and Sandheim and yourself, and then, of course, around the league. But uh, your teammate, Ivan Proveroff commits long-term as well, six-year deal you talk about that commitment to playing here in Philadelphia to have you two guys locked up younger end of your career certainly a good a good feeling for both of you guys
2: oh it was great I mean and seeing probably do that right uh, right before it also gave me the certainty like you know this is definitely a spot you want to be for a long time having players like that that are going to be around and um it's just uh it's definitely a good feeling to be around here right now and and I know there's a lot of good to come here, so it, it's uh, not a question in my mind that me and Proby both and, and Chuck could
0: all make uh, that to Talking to Elaine uh, Vigneault after the first preseason game, he talked about the three days that you miss, and that can be made up. You get beyond that, you start to get into dicey territory with a new coaching staff. Uh, conversations with Elaine Vigneault and your first thoughts on, on dealing with uh, a new coaching staff with Mike Yo and Michelle Terry and, and, of course, A.V. Yeah,
2: I mean. know. But uh, I didn't get much conversation with AV today. Um, but I did uh, skate with some of the other coaches today during the practice, and um, you know they're 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 going to help me out. I know uh, from the conversations I've had, um, it's going to be a lot of sitting down and catching me up, and you know what I mean. It's it's not a, It's not you know everyone anyone giving up on me for not being here those couple of days. They're all looking forward to. Uh, getting everything going, and and they know I'm really excited to be back and just being a sponge right now and taking in everything that I've missed. And, uh, you know, it's kind of my job now to to catch up. Well,
0: let's go back real quick because you spent three years in the OHL. uh, You were with the 67s and then finished up with the Sarnia Sting. You had a great junior career, and you come into the NHL in your first training camp, and you make the team. You don't go to the AHL. You see a lot of these young players in camp now, Joel Faraby, Morgan Frost, Isaac Crackler. There's a lot of those guys. Uh, and not many players make that jump. What was the biggest kind of like almost for lack of a better term, aha moment when you went from junior to the NHL that if you were going to give them some advice, go, this is the thing to kind of look out for.
2: Uh, I think just being able to play uh, a 200 foot game. Cause I mean, it's easy when you're in junior hockey and you're able to have that offensive ability and, you know, you make a mistake. The next shift you go out and create something offensive and, you know, it's kind of forgotten about. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was just, you know, those little mental lapses in the D zone, but that would put me back and, you know, lose ice time and little things like that, that, that are things that people need to work on. And, uh, you know, and coming into that, if I had worked a little bit more on that, I feel like I'd be ahead right now.
0: You uh, you, last year, you were uh, paired off in all, a lot throughout the season on that top line with Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux. <laughs> and you're playing with, uh, A, Couturier, a, a center who really covers the entire 200 sheet very well, drew with that great vision and hockey IQ, uh, and you with that speed and great five-on-five uh, shot and those kind of things. You guys just kind of fit together well, don't you?
2: Yeah, we've uh, we've played, I mean, throughout the last three years. Uh, I've played with Kouta actually quite a bit, I think more than anybody else. Um, he was kind of my center my first year and then the tail end of the second year and then uh last year so yeah we fit pretty good together i mean he's uh he's one of those guys on the team that's going to hold you accountable and that's really good uh to play with because you're expected to play at a high level every single night and that's what he does so you know you you bring your best uh to, to play alongside him
0: uh now you've been in the league three years entering your fourth season 22 years old uh does your has your training changed you know you become a pro you play 82 games a year you played 81 two years ago and last year 82 games it's a lot of hockey couple that with preseason and everything else uh has your training changed at all have you moved away from weights and more into other areas or how's that kind of evolved for you
2: i mean i i've definitely changed a little bit I, i don't you know pound away on the weights like i used to it's more specific now and um you know, maintaining uh, your body and making sure you're, you're staying at that good strength, but you're not you know, necessarily tiring yourself out for the start of the season. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that also, you know, is a trip will trip, uh, effect down the end of the season, right? So um, you, you just try to pace the summer as hard as you can and push yourself to get better and better. But you also want to, you know, make sure you're coming in fully rested. And so I, I've kind of changed my approach a little bit.
0: Is it more that the, the NHL game is played in a lot of ways in really small areas and it's about explosion?
2: Yeah, that's what it's all about. So a lot of my training now is just, uh, you know, quick reactions. And um, it's not necessarily about how much you can move, but how quick you can explode out of positions and how much weight you can do it that way.
0: Uh, Travis, when you look at back-to-back 24-goal seasons, um, you're, doing, you're doing a lot of your heavy lifting and you're scoring five-on-five. Uh, you want to get onto that power play and do some damage there as well. Uh, but talk about this group last year, you guys. You know, you kind of got behind the eight ball early in the season. You go through eight goalies. That's a tough situation. Uh, obviously, if you're not going to get a save at certain points, it makes you play different offensively. The new coaching staff's in. What's the identity you guys want to forge as a group? And you as a big part of that younger, uh, younger part of the group as well.
2: Um, you know, I, I'm sure... The identity we want to have is to be, you know, super solid and a team that's hard to play against and a fast-paced team. But honestly, at this point, um, day one, I don't know yet what the identity is. You know what I mean? I I got to get into uh, the meetings and or whatever all the plan is, so I, I'm not too sure.
0: <laughs> well, you got you guys definitely want to make it hard to play in in your home building for sure.
2: For sure, yeah. That's that's the goal on any team. You, you don't uh, you don't want to give up that.
0: Uh, how, how long did you stay off the ice for? When did you get back on the ice this summer? You wait till uh, like July or August? Or?
2: I was early summer skating, and then uh, I skated all the way through until I came here.
0: Uh, now, you played three years with Wayne Simmons. Your first uh, real home game is going to be against Wayne Simmons as a member of the New Jersey Devils. You're a guy that um, you tend to say a few things during the game. You chirp a little bit. Uh, will you chirp, Wayne?
2: No, I mean, I'm trying to get away from all that stuff. I know part of that is... Uh, Kind of comes out in me when I'm playing, but uh, I got a lot of respect for Simi, and you know he's had a great career, and and uh, I'm looking forward to playing against him. It'll be fun, but I'll leave him alone out there. I know he's uh, he would take care of me pretty easily. If he was <laughs> uh,
0: you saw what happened in the Metropolitan Division this off season. A lot of shuffling around from. Panarin going from uh, from Columbus to New York, uh, a lot of movement in the division, a lot of big acquisitions. You guys made one with Kevin Hayes as well. You played against them. What are your impressions of uh, the team and the additions with Niskanen, Braun, Hayes, and, and some of the other players?
2: I mean, I'm really excited just from uh, the sneak peek I got today at practice and, and seeing the skill level and um, – you know the solidness and the defensive core right now. Just it looks really good, and I'm excited to see it come into uh, to effect in a real game.
0: Um, one of the guys that I just alluded to, you've been in the league now, going into your fourth year, a guy heading into his second year, uh, a fellow countryman of yours, played in the World Juniors. You played in the World Juniors back in 2016. Uh, but Carter Hart, he comes into the league and, and had a real good year last year with a 9.17 save percentage in 31 appearances. Uh, you see the maturity of this young goaltender. Talk about how impressive he is on and off the ice for you guys.
2: Sorry, I, you cut out there. I couldn't hear you for a sec.
0: Uh, about Carter Hart and just how mature he is for a 21-year-old heading into his second season and just how he's handled kind of this situation coming into Being a goalie is already hard in the NHL. You couple that yeah. with the history here and, and how he's handled the situation.
2: I mean, he's done a phenomenal job for uh... – for his age, and I mean, I, I can't say his age because I'm, I'm young, but I just mean in, in general for a goalie to come in that young and uh, play the way he's played. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times you see it go the other way and get to a, a kid's head, but he, he's uh, he's a really good kid, and he he holds his uh, himself pretty good around the rink, and he's, he's nice to be around, so it's nice to see him doing well.
0: So, uh, Travis, last thing. You know, I, I know they did a special on you on Flyers TV, I think it was last summer, and your guy likes to get out and into and and nature and stuff. How did you kind of decompress this offseason? I know you, the season didn't end the way you would like it, and you had the stresses of the contract, so what does Travis Connectney do to kind of loosen the collar and just kind of zone out a little bit? You, you go
2: fishing, or what'd you do? Yeah, I did uh, I mean, last summer there was uh, this uh, episode on me about doing a lot of fishing and all that stuff, and Uh, It's kind of been very similar every summer I've came back. It just uh, revolves around being at the farm and, um, you know, getting some hunts in, turkey hunting early season, and then a lot of fishing and and golfing, and uh, that's kind of all within 20 minutes of my house. So it's uh, it's a pretty good way to spend my summer and just relax.
0: Well, it's certainly a good way to do it, get out in nature, enjoy it, and you get up there out, out to the cottage at all too?
2: Um, I kind of live at a cottage. I, I live uh, right on Lake Erie, so it's kind of I count it as a cottage.
0: Well, you're always on vacation when you're back home. That's great stuff, yeah, Travis. No. Hey, man, congratulations on the deal. Uh, six years. I know that uh, you're going to deliver on that on that deal, and a lot of Flyer fans are really excited. Not only that you're signed, but you're, you're signed long term, man. We look forward to a great year from you, and thanks for doing this.
2: Thank you very much, for having me.
0: All right, there you go, Travis. Connecting. We're happy about the Travis Connecting deal in Topal. Yeah. I'm yeah, happy yeah. that there's no drama around the Flyers. No,
1: I, I like covering the guy. I think AV sort of prodded that deal along. I do. You don't think he's going to chirp anymore? No. Just because
0: he said, I'm trying to get that out he's of chirping. my hand? He's chirping. He's chirping. He can't control himself. He can't. He's and, a world class
1: chirp. But here's the other thing his coach will get really excited. His assistant coach, Michael Terrion, Michelle Terrion will get yep. very excited it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and it's inevitable, but let's get to one of those assistant coaches right now. Uh, New Flyers assistant coach under Elaine Vigneault, along with Michael Tarian. Uh, Michelle Tarian is Mike Yo, and he joins us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, Mike, how's it going today? How's camp going?
3: Uh, camp is going great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm happy happy to be in town and, and uh, with the organization. Happy to be on the air with you guys. Things have been going really good. Uh, guys have been really uh, responsive to AV's message and uh, they've been working hard now we've got all our bodies here so it's uh it's fun to get uh, right down to business
0: uh, since arriving here in philadelphia and elaine vigno being hired uh, back in i guess it was may at this point, uh, and, and you joining the coaching staff along with michelle terry and uh it's sort of a, a dream team if you will of coaches a lot of former head coaches uh, talk about how you three uh, guys have been kind of uh handling training camp and preparing for the season uh, all with head coaching experience
3: yeah well i think the uh, you know, w- one thing that jumps out right away when working with Av is just how organized and, and prepared he is. Uh, so we have our training camp, or excuse me, we have our uh, coaches meetings in the summer, and at which time we were planning training camp. And uh, you know, I, I think like any good leader would do, he, he asked us what we've done in the past, what's worked for us, and, and uh, obviously shared his experience with us. And, uh, and we were able to uh, put together a really good plan. Uh, you know, everything's been spot on as far as how he's prepared, uh, you know, training camp, the practices, the videos, uh, you know, I think it's come across really, uh, really well with the players. It's been really receptive receptive really well with the players. Uh, so he's been doing a great job and, and, you know, with Mike and I, uh, there's familiarity there. We've worked together in the past and, uh, and I just think that, uh, it's our job to, to support AV any way we can. And, uh, and uh, obviously, we're, we're lucky to have him as a head coach, so we'll do everything we can to help him out.
1: Mike, on the uh, you wouldn't have heard this, but on the broadcast last night, the Islanders were kind of having some fun with A.V. because the game before, uh, he had double-shifted the top line with, with Hayes, and it was really funny because they were just like, wow, look how intense he is. He's double-shifting even in, in preseason, but I've covered – Vigneault before and like that's just the way he is, right? I mean, he's going to take every game like that, whether it's preseason or or not.
3: Well, I think, and I think that's what you want. I mean, yeah. You know, we're talking about a guy who comes is coming in here and wants to create a culture that's built around winning, and not not you know that that that's what that's what matters. That's that's what our fans want, the organization wants, and that's what he's going to demand. And uh, you know, one game it might be Hayes. And it, it was that game because of, because he was playing as well as he was. Yeah. You know, he could tell he was engaged in the game, he was dominating, and he deserved to go back out there. And uh, I think that, you know, with av's experience, uh, as far as, uh, you know, being around the league, uh, the, the respecting commands, he understands who's going, who's not going, and he's going to play the guys that are going.
1: And, Mike, uh, talking about guys that deserved it, so German Rupstaff got a second game in a row, and I also liked Vigneault's explanation for it, like, hey – I want to see what he can do back to back now because now he's caught my eye. Let's see what he can do. And I thought he had a good game yesterday. And you know he plays strong with the puck. He doesn't do any nothing dumb out there. Smart passes, good defense. What did you see out of him? And and is that a real vote of confidence for a young player when they say, "Hey, you know what? Get out there next game too."
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is. It's a big vote of confidence. And let's be honest. I mean, if I'm if I'm uh, a kid like Ruby and I'm trying to make a hockey team. I want to play as many times as I can. I don't care if it's back to back or what building it's in or, you know, how I have to get there. None of that stuff matters. You just want an opportunity to to showcase what you can do. I I agree with you. I think that uh, as camp has gone on, he's caught my eye more and probably because early in camp, you know, you don't, Get a chance to appreciate all the little things that he does. And as mm-hmm. you start to watch him more and, and tune in on him a little bit more, um, you can see his stick positioning. You can see uh, his reads as far as puck management goes, as far as on the defensive side. Um, he's bitten off a little bit more every time with us. he got a little bit of power play time, he's gotten penalty kill time. Uh, and he's showing us that, uh, that that he has a pretty mature game for a young player.
0: Yeah, and he may be one of those guys who are just, from name value standpoints, overshadowed by the Frost-Ratcliffe-Farabee kind of combo. Uh, but, yeah, he, one of the, when you see those consistent plays, Mike, you know, on the right side of the puck in the defensive zone, and you see it repeatedly, and you go – wait a minute, this just seems to keep happening. It really kind of builds a lot of confidence for him. But let's talk about some of the other young players, Uh, some of the guys I mentioned. Uh, You know, Morgan Frost missed the game the other night with that lower body injury. Uh, But Joel Farabee was in that game, as was Isaac Ratcliffe. What have you seen out of their games uh, here through camp and uh, early on in the preseason and some game action?
3: I think that they're, you know, like, which is typical, I think they're getting better as camp goes on. The speed, the pace of play, the strength of the players, Uh, has been demanding, so it's not easy for young players coming in, uh, you know, To as far as the information that they're given right from day one to try mm-hmm. to apply that, uh, and then to get into a game and not, you know, to try to apply it, but also not to play where you're thinking too much and just reacting to everything. Uh, so I think that both those guys have done a really good job uh, and have gotten stronger as camp has gone on. Uh, you know, Farabee, it, it was really interesting for me. We threw him up with... Uh, uh, G and Coots their last practice, and that's a lot for a young kid to to handle. And to me, it was it was impressive the way that he handled it. You know, not intimidated whatsoever, making plays, uh, not just trying to give them the puck, making the plays that he needed to make as a player. And uh, that was a that was the first sign for me uh, that that he's he's getting close.
0: Well, the one thing that I found really refreshing, too, Mike, is that uh, after the games, you've heard both Frost and Farabee mention that. Hey, this is a lot different than junior or right. college and saying, Hey, you know, the, I don't have a lot of time out there. It's, it's more maybe daunting than even I thought these guys are being really forthright in what they're seeing. But to me, that's one of those, that that's a sign of maturity that like, I'm not trying to convince people that I'm, I'm further along than I am. I know what I got to do. Um, and the, 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 playing with the best players in the world, the best men players in the world is not easy.
3: Yeah. And well, I think I think you're right, and I also think it's uh, you know a pretty good indication of their confidence level as well too. Yeah. Like maybe they're recognizing that they're quite not up to playing quite at the level that they know that they're they're capable of, and it's just a matter of them adjusting to the pace of play to the to the, the style of hockey compared to what they've been doing in junior. So that, for me, that's a good sign. Uh, it, it tells me that they see themselves at a higher level than what they're showing, and they're 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 going to adapt and they're going to adjust.
1: Mike, if you could talk about the penalty kill, it looked very aggressive out there, and, and I feel like it's a lot more aggressive, and you wouldn't have known what was happening before you were here, but I just feel like the fans and even, even the commentators are sort of noticing how aggressive it is, how quickly they get on players, and it's it's looking good in the early
3: going. Yeah, I'm happy with uh, the, the first couple games, no question. That's that's going to be a mindset of ours. It's, it's a mentality that we have to you know, there's times where you have to play tight. There's times when they've got full control and you don't want to just run around and expose good players in, in good areas of the ice. But that said, there's also opportunities, um, triggers that we call them, where you've got to pressure and you've got to pressure aggressively. And not just that, you've got to make sure that when one guy is going, all four are going at the same time because otherwise you're just not going to open yourself up and that's where that's where you give up the grade A point-blank chances. Um, you know, I, I, I think that we're... You know, happy with two games. I'm also a little bit of caution there that you know, obviously teams don't have their best players uh, going every single night right now. So right. it's still a work in progress, but uh, no question, that's our mindset, that's our mentality. Uh, we we want to take away time and space as quickly as possible.
0: Hey, Mike, um, let me take you back to something you said a little earlier. Um, you talked about when uh, you, Elaine Vigno and Mike uh, Tarion got together and were planning out training camp and. You know the narratives about this team. You coached against the Flyers in the last couple of years, and they, they were tremendous. I think their biggest trait was that they were inconsistent. They were consistently inconsistent. They could, they could win 10 straight, but they could lose 10 straight, uh, conversely, you know, a week later. Um, so you come into this camp, and, and you guys want to prepare this team both on and off the ice mentally, physically, in all ways for the 82-game season, but you want them to have an identity, and that's not the identity you want them to have. So how do you guys attack that? to move this, change that, use the word culture, change that culture moving forward to make sure that those inconsistent tendencies don't rear their ugly head again?
3: Well, you know, I I wish that I could, you know, first off, I wish that I could tell you that it's going to happen by game one or game five or game ten. I'm not sure exactly. What I can tell you from my experience and, and with Mike and AV as well is that the message is very clear as far as the, the the game the type of game that we're going to demand um you know how quickly we can build those habits where it becomes consistent you know it, it's you know you we can just say this is what we want you to do but we're talking about building habits something where the players step on the ice and it's not something they have to think about it's just something they do night after night shift after shift player after prep player and these are the things that we're building right now and. As coaches, every day we're we're letting the players know what's important to us through video, uh, in practice, the details, whether it's a stick on puck and uh, you know whether it's a stop and a start. Every team has systems and you know things they want to do in all three zones. Uh, what really sets the, the the top teams apart is their details within the system, your habits, the principles, all these types of things. And these are the things that we're just working our – our butts off to drive home right now so that they become habits so it becomes consistent in our game and that you know when you bring that consistent to habits and and details to your game that's when you start getting consistent results
1: mike um i'm going to give a little praise to chuck fletcher here because on july 1st he signed chris bigra to a to a two-year two-way deal and i think we've learned enough in this league that you can't have enough depth on defense, and I think a lot of people just sort of, you know, it wasn't a flashy name, right, so it just kind of gets buried, and I'm a, I'm a draft guy, so I, I knew about him years ago, but sometimes guys sort of get lost, and he hasn't really found his way yet. You know, he gets in on an assist last night. He's good. He's mobile. He makes quick decisions. What have you seen out of him, and are those the kind of signings that could help you out later in the season when all of a sudden, yeah, guys start getting hurt and you have other players?
3: Yeah, I can tell you that, you know, typical NHL season you're using, you end up using probably 9, 10, sometimes even 11 defense. Right. Uh, And obviously, how important that position is, you know, if if, if a guy is not able to play at this level and you have to put him out there, he's going to get exposed, and obviously... D-man's getting exposed, and your, your team is in a bad position. So I've been really impressed. Uh, obviously, working with the defensemen, uh, you get a real good uh, firsthand look at them. I've been really impressed with the depth that we have on defense right now. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned Big Ron, I thought he had a really strong game last game, really up this game, even from the practices. And, right. and, and that's a good sign for me. You want gamers, you want guys that want to get into the game and make things happen. He showed that, um, you know, Walensky, I, I thought had a really strong game. Prossers played games. We know that, uh, you know, it, it, Friedman really jumped out at me last night too. I know he's a draft pick, but, you know, coming new to an organization, I didn't really have a, a lot of familiarity with him. And, and, you know, for me, I thought he played a really solid, strong game last night as well. So, uh, it, it's really encouraging seeing all these guys, and uh, and that's that's not naming all of them.
0: Uh, Mike, when you you're going to be in charge of that penalty kill. Russ alluded to it earlier. Uh, probably the most important element of a penalty kill is your goaltender. If you can get that save, and we look at we look at save percentage, uh, shorthanded, we look at those kind of things, high danger scoring chances, and you know through all the advanced analytics of uh, even goaltending now. Uh, you, you've had a chance to see Carter Hart now in camp and gotten to know him a little bit more than probably from afar, but also seeing him from afar and along with Brian Elliott as your tandem this year. How do you feel like you guys are going to do between the pipes and, and help out that penalty kill with some big saves?
3: Well, let me just correct you because it's not probably. It's definitely the <laughs> most important. But, uh, You're not, you don't have uh, to convince me, know, man. I
0: say it's the most important you know, position uh, in all of sports, even more than the quarterback because the quarterback leaves a field.
3: I know, a, it's not an accident. The kill the second half. with was much improved. Uh, obviously, the, the, the goalies were healthier. You got Carter uh, showing what he can do. Um, the, the two always go hand in hand. And, uh, you know, I, thought, I think both guys, you know, obviously, Pelz is going stay healthy, you know, and, and it looks like he's in good condition and, and, and coming into the season healthy compared to the past. Uh, with his experience and, and his ability, he's going to add an awful lot to us. And Carter last night—that was my first, uh, you know, live look at him. And the one thing that just jumps out at you right away is, you know, you, your team always kind of, through the course of a game, almost takes on your goalie's personality. If he's nervous, if he's bobbling pucks, uh, you know, if, if he's a little jittery, your team ends up playing the same way. When he's in the net, he's just so composed. He's just so confident. Um, he, he, you know, he, he's always in the right position, and that confidence just filters through to the rest of the group. I was really impressed with his game last night.
1: Mike, how hard is it for young players to play against a Barry Trotz system that, you know, they're out there. They're not going to give up high percentage chances. They their whole thing is based on percentages and keeping you to the outside and trying to just get the puck out of the zone quickly it's hard to penetrate that, and it's especially hard to penetrate that as a young player, and some of them mentioned that. How good is it that they've played against a guy like that first couple games to see, like, this this could be the hardest guy that you go up against this year, and they went up against it right away? Yeah,
3: well, well, I think for us as a staff, it's perfect, you know, because that's that's the NHL, you know, and I think if they go in and they play against teams that are just losing free, and you're getting easy chances, and uh, you know you're playing a game that that's not gonna uh, bring you success or give you the ability to have success when you get into those tight checking hard fought games uh we're not getting a real good read i think those types of games we are you know you've got to find a way to get to the middle of the ice you've got to find a way to get to the net uh, you know you've got to find a way to use your forecheck to to generate momentum and to, to back off their d to push their gaps back to open up ice later in the game uh these are the types of things that we want to see as coaches and and, uh, and obviously we're getting a good look at it with the first two games.
0: Mike, every practice matters, every meeting matters, every video session matters. You know the, the storyline around the NHL this off season has been big time about the RFAs, and there's still a group of uh, very talented players that are not signed for a lot of clubs. So what does it mean for you guys? I know Travis missed a couple of days, Konechny, uh, but one of your RFAs, Travis Sandheim, he got done with the bridge deal in the offseason. Provorov locks in for six. Now you got Konechny locked in for six how important is it with the new coaching staff with you uh, Mike Tarion, and uh, Elaine vino to have all these guys there now concentrating on hockey and not the business side of the sport
3: and that's it's not an easy thing for young players uh, mm-hmm. for sure. when you you know to separate the two things but uh, uh first off for the future it's outstanding we've got both these great young players for another six years and, uh, you know they're not only great players but interactions with them show sure that they're great people too. Um, but uh, you know we've got to get up to speed we've got our greater groups going our, our units, whether it's the power play units, whether it's our lines or our D pairings, we've got to get guys working together, start building the chemistry and obviously you take one or two of those guys out and it disrupts everything. So I uh, I think that obviously we've got them back. We don't have a completely our group, you know, with Patty being out and Pitlick being out. Uh, but we're very close right now, and, uh, and that makes things a lot better for us, that's for sure.
1: Mike, I'm kind of the oddball because I, I track a lot of prospects and younger players and write about them and talk about them, and so I love these preseason games, but of course the media will start getting grumpy about fourth, fifth game in, but how important are these games for the young players to get these chances and for the coaching staff, and especially when it's a new coaching staff?
3: Yeah, well, I think we, those are our first look at them. So we're still getting to know these players, and uh, you know, you use this time. Obviously, we, we've got to we've got to make sure we're building the right habits with our group. We've got to make sure we're starting to build confidence in our game, uh, building chemistry, those types of things. You're also using this time uh, to make decisions, whether it's about a player that uh, you're going to put on your team right now. You know, do whether it's a frost a Farabee. Uh, a Rubsov, and, and that's you know obviously leaving a lot of other guys out. You know, are those guys ready right now? Uh, and if they're not ready right now, and you make a decision, uh, you know, when it comes time for a call up, are they going to be somebody that we have confidence in, and believe that they're ready at that time? So these these are really useful games. Um, you try to put everybody in a position where uh, they're going to have success and, and it's going to fit a role that they might play in. And uh, but ultimately we also have to concentrate on our group. You know, we got things that we have to get done. We want to make sure when we drop the puck, uh, you know, in in Prague, that against Chicago, that we are on top of our game. We're ready to go.
1: And, Mike, talking about Prague, what experience do you have being there, if any? And if not, what are you looking forward to the most there, besides hockey, outside of hockey?
3: Um, they got great beer. Uh, (laughs) That's what I've heard, uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. we had, uh, when I went to the World Championships a few years ago, coaching with uh, Team Canada, we had a, a mini camp in Prague and we spent five days over there. It's just a gorgeous area. It's beautiful. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Jake being from there, you know, his homeland, I think he's going to feel very proud about it. He's going to be very motivated for that game. It's a, it's a beautiful place. And, uh, you know, Mike, Tarian and I have, have uh, a little bit of experience with this as far as we started the season. Um, over in Stockholm, Sweden one time. And uh, it can be a really great team-building opportunity, you know, especially with a lot of new faces, a mm-hmm. lot of new staff. Uh, great opportunity for us at the start of the year to get together, um, spend time together, get to know each other better. Um, and then ultimately, what what's important on top of that is you're going there to win the game. That's really how it becomes a great experience. You go there, you win the game. And your time hasn't been wasted. And so I think that's got to be our focus, uh, obviously, to enjoy it, to, to, to take it in. It's not an everyday opportunity. Uh, but that said, we have to have, make sure we keep our focus and have the right, uh, you know, uh, business-like attitude when we go there to get the job done.
1: Now, a real important question, because we were trying to figure this out in the press box the other night. Is the beer warm or cold there?
3: Uh, I, I don't remember drinking warm beer. Okay. But- uh, well, the media yeah, working that,
0: hard that. in that press box, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: So uh, I, I just remember the beer being good.
0: Free meals and uh, debating the warm or cold beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, winning the game is actually the Sunday. It's not the cherry on top of the Sunday on that trip. But, uh, Mike, last thing for you, um, you know, you see the Flyers team from afar for so many years. But now you're you got your hand in the ground meat here, and you're making the meatloaf. Uh, who's kind of impressed you in the way they prepare and the way they come to the rink every day, and the and the way they kind of hone their craft? That maybe you thought you you saw them from afar and you said oh, this is a good player, but then you see the little details and the, and the work that they do that really has impressed you.
3: Well, there's a number of guys. Don't um, you know? And obviously, you, you know, you you got to be careful because you don't want to leave people out. But without a question, Drew and and. I mean, these two guys, for the level of players that they are, uh, every practice that they've been on has been nothing but 100%. Every drill that they do is nothing but 100%. They're engaged in the videos. They're engaged in the conversations you're having about them, about the changes that you're bringing in. Um, And, I mean, I I just think – you know, those are the things you don't see outside the organization. Obviously, you hear things, you hear about good people, you hear about good leaders, all that type of thing. But until you're there and, and, and see how they interact with the young players, the example that they are for the young players and uh, and the rest of the team, then you really can't quite appreciate it to that level. And those two guys, for me, have really jumped out, been really impressive.
0: I imagine your French is pretty good.
3: Uh, I would say it's not compared to the rest of the <laughs> but I'm starting to pick some things up. I've learned how to swear in French. That's for sure. Well, hey,
1: even I know a few curse words in French.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got Le Perrier, you got uh, Alain Vigno and uh, Michel Terrien. You got to get like a Rosetta Stone and and do it in the car
3: ride know, or the plane. Uh, I know. Yeah, Kim and I, the goalie coach, we're we're working on it. And. Uh... <laughs> but uh, you know what as long as I you know when they're speaking French as long as I don't hear my name in there then I think I'm there you fine. go so uh, as long as I, I get the sense they're not talking about me uh, actually no they're great I mean uh, obviously I know they speak French but uh, but they, they they speak English around us and uh, we're part of all the conversations so I've worked with Mike for a long time like Michelle and for a long time and uh, and so yeah it's uh, that's that's obviously not an issue whatsoever yeah
0: well best of luck this year. I know the penalty kill is one of those things that always gets the crosshairs in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. So, hell, you're dealing with some important stuff, man, and everybody's looking forward to a great season. Uh, we appreciate you doing this. Have a great time the rest of camp. Enjoy the travels, both to Zurich and uh, over to Prague, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon, Mike. Thank you. All
3: right. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. There's Mike
0: Yo and. There's your episode 54 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Yeah, not bad. And Mike so good we did it twice.
1: And, and Mike gave us a beer report, which is fantastic. We were debating this in the press box, the new press box, by the way. Yes. And we were debating this the other day. Mike put an end to it, and that's fantastic. So the fans that are going, are you going? to the Czech Republic, I am not going. Uh, you couldn't get a, a renewed passport? No. I Actually, I only have a passport card. I have a passport at home. I haven't renewed it. Because I drive everywhere. So it's like the day that I have to fly somewhere in, in, you know overseas, I'll do it again. So no, well, right yeah, now I'm good. You can't
0: drive to the, to the Prague, the Czech Republic. No, Prague. I can't. I, I drive every.
1: I try, man. I even drove to St. Louis. I did. Oh, you're a madman.
0: <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll be back next week. Episode 55 of the Stick to Hockey podcast, the Sam Moran episode, or the Keith Primo episode. He wore 55 when he was with Detroit, yes, correct? Yes, yes. 25 as a flyer, but nonetheless. Uh, Everybody, enjoy your preseason hockey. I know we're chomping at the bit for the regular season. We'll get there soon enough. Enjoy your preseason hockey, and we'll talk to you next time on the Stick to Hockey Podcast.